0: Welcome to TJH, your go-to podcast for all things journeying home to yourself. I'm your host, Haley Curtis, Jean Keys and Women's Transformation Guide, here to encourage and usher you into remembering who you are by peeling back the veil on all things shadow work, self-love, self-worth, relationships, Jean Keys, breakthrough, awakening, and so much more. One thing I know to be true about you is that you are utterly magnificent. And here at the Journey Home podcast, I will be walking hand in hand with you as you discover and remember your magic. Let the voyage begin. Hello beautiful people and welcome back to the Journey Home podcast. I am so excited today because I have another of the beautiful Journey Home women with me today Alice Kings North, and she's going to be interviewing me today and I just am so excited to be here in the presence of this incredible woman. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Alice before I hand it over to her. Alice is a personal power coach for ambitious souls who know they're meant for more. She's living her dream life, running her second business from Peru, which is just so fancy and we're going to have to hear more about that, Alice having spent most of her years stuck in survival mode and she's now on a mission to help others get unstuck so they can start living the life they really want to live and I mean just from that short introduction I'm I'm sure you can already sense what a powerhouse of an incredible woman we have here sitting with us today and Alice I'm just so happy that you're here. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule and Alice is also six months pregnant at the moment as well and I know that energy is scarce at a time like that so I really appreciate you choosing to spend a little bit of that here with me today and with the listeners of TJH Uh, but before we dive into the interview today, Alice, I'd love to just... um, hold some space for you to introduce yourself and also share with the listeners a little bit about um, how you fit into the Journey Home community. Yes, absolutely. So hello
1: and thank you so much for having me. (laughs) I'm honestly honoured to be interviewing you today. Um, And as you'll see, we'll dive into my favourite topic of personal power (laughs) and share kind of some insights and I guess experiences from your side as well of mm-hmm. of how you can tap into your personal power and get out of the kind of codependency loop and patterns that we often find ourselves in mm-hmm. without even realizing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah so I actually found Hayley through Google so <laughs> I was just looking for I was looking for someone online that really understood the power of writing and the written word in your personal kind of development. Mm. And I couldn't really find anyone. So I just turned to Google and your website came up and I was like, yes, journaling. Mm. Um, and I've not been, I've always been a writer and I've always written down things, but I've not been like an avid journaler. So I'm not going to lie when I'm, I say I'm one of those like daily journalers, but mm. I absolutely do do my daily um, gratitude journaling. Mm. Um So yeah, I completely just resonated with all of your work Mm -hmm. and joined the Journey Home membership as soon as it launched. Mm -hmm. Um, That was honestly what I was kind of waiting for because I thrive in more of a community space Mm -hmm. Um, and just being among other women who are also on a very similar journey, diving into themselves um, and just learning about who we really are, Mm -hmm. what we really want in our lifetime. Um, So yeah, so I'm honoured to now be interviewing you and drawing out your wisdom.
0: Oh, I'm just so excited for today. I mean, I think that these these Journey Home Women interviews are going to become my favorite part of this podcast <laughs> because like you were just saying about how you thrive amongst community, I am absolutely the same. And I think there is something so powerful and I love that you're going to be bringing the, the theme of personal power today. There's something so powerful about like-hearted women coming together and and something so powerful about women coming together to alchemize their shadow patterns which is so different from some of the other congregations of women we may have experienced in our lifetime where we sort of can come together in our victimhood or come together to have a bitch or have a rant and um, I just I love that the aura that is created when we come together to talk about these sorts of things. So thank you so much for being here. And I know that, you know, you were just saying we're going to be diving into codependence and things like that. And I know that for you, Alice, this has a lot to do with your life's work, Gene Key. I had the absolute honor of sitting with you in session. It must have been, oh, what, six months ago now, maybe more? Since yeah, we, possibly a few months ago. Yeah, and, and I got to do a Life's Work uh, Gene Key session with Alice and codependence is is the shadow that we looked at to activate her gift of sensitivity and there's a lot to do with personal power in there. And so I love that your questions, um, that I don't know exactly what the questions are, I just know the theme of what's coming up. I love that they are yeah. already <laughs> speaking through your magnificence and what you're here to bring the world. And so... I'm just going to hand it over to you to fire away with the first question and we will see where this beautiful conversation takes us.
1: Amazing. So uh, yeah, I wanted to start, first of all, start on the topic of codependency because I think we typically understand that a lot better than personal power. And I know before I got into what I do today as a coach, I hadn't really heard of personal power um, as Mm -hmm. a concept. Um, So when, when we're giving our power away, we're relying on things outside of ourselves, which is ultimately codependency. Mm-hmm. And when I first think of that, I think of how I rely on other people. So I might be relying on them for approval, validation, um, I mean, love and um, mm-hmm. safety. Mm-hmm. So I would love to know what are the less obvious ways that you've come across where codependency is very present. And this can either be on a personal or a global
0: scale. Yes. Wow. (laughs) What a question to kick us (laughs) off, Alice. So yeah, you're so right in the fact that when we hear the word codependency, we immediately go to relationships. We immediately see it through the lens of becoming codependent on another. And because of that very narrow definition, a lot of us can be like, well, I'm not codependent. You know, I'm, I'm a really independent woman or maybe you don't have codependency tendencies with your partner. For example, um, I'm not very codependent on Bevan, my husband, and so I could say to myself, well, I'm, I'm not codependent. I don't need to look there. But that's just one place that it shows up. And I think that one of the key ways that we become codependent that we don't often see is to our environment. We become extremely codependent to the circumstances and the tones of our environment where we believe that our surroundings need to be a certain way for us to access certain parts of ourselves. We believe that in order to thrive at work, maybe the the environment needs to be really uplifting or people need to um be treating each other in a certain way or we may believe that in order for us to thrive at home it needs to be clean or in order for us to have a really good day the sun needs to be shining you know we can our our environment goes as far as we become codependent on the weather i mean seasonal depression is technically codependency on needing our environment to look and feel a certain way for us to access certain parts of ourselves. And so I love how you gave that definition of codependency of being when we rely on anything outside of ourselves. So if it is a circumstance or a situation or anything that is outside of you that you believe needs to be a certain way in order for you to access a certain part of yourself, there we see codependency and that can either be really daunting or really exciting to look at right like yeah it can it can be very like ah oh, oh no my codependent on everything but let's just remember that codependency is a shadow of the gene keys which means it is nothing but a portal and a gateway into our greatness it is nothing but a gateway into independence. And the gift of codependency is actually sensitivity, where we start to come into deeper contact and communion with nature and with people. And it's absolutely beautiful. I won't go into that too much now. Who knows, you might have a question about that further down the line. Um, But, you know, we can really start to see all of these ways that we're blocking ourselves from our own magic. Because that's all we're doing when we rely on something outside of ourselves is we're just blocking ourselves from our magic. And one other way that codependency can happen where we might not realize it, we, like I said, with the relationship, we often see it as we become codependent on just our partner. And that's where codependency shows up. But it can really show up wherever there's a sense of authority. So we can become codependent on needing an outside authority to tell us who we are or to tell us what to do or to tell us how to feel because we have forgotten that all of that already lays within us. And so Mm -hmm. a really big area of codependency that we are seeing starting to shift in our world today is actually religion where we view God as being outside of ourselves and how that instantly sends us into victimhood and into a place where we don't believe that we have access to the power that we require in order to change our situation. And so those would be some of the the juicy places that I would look.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I at the beginning, you mentioned how When you think, oh, um, I'm a very independent woman, for example, I definitely used to kind of pride myself on on, like not needing money from anyone, not really asking my parents for help. um, And I kind of took it to the extreme. And then I realized that that was hyper independence. Mm. And then I was listening to a podcast um, probably about a year ago. And they just dropped the bombshell and was like, yep, hyper-independence is actually codependency. Mm. <laughs> and I was absolutely gutted because I was like, oh, my gosh, I've worked so hard to be hyper-independent, extremely independent. But actually, all I was doing was trying to control yes. everyone else's perception of me. And so yes. I was actually dependent on other people's approval that, oh, you know, she knows what she's doing. She's she's great. She's independent. Mm. Um, and for me, that was a huge wake-up call that I mm. was actually taking it to the extreme that um, is so, yeah, so that a very subtle way of kind of yeah. digging into myself and looking at my hyper-independence.
0: Yeah, and that control piece I think is really important there. Like that hyper-independence can look like as long as I can just control everything, I'm safe. As long as I can control everything, then I can thrive. But it is that control of everything that becomes the very thing that spirals us into codependence of our environment again, right? Trying to control our environment is believing that it needs to look a certain way in order for you to flourish, which just Mm -hmm. isn't the case. Mm, what a what a way to kick off this (laughs) convo
1: so on that note I I would love to get your kind of insights on how you how you get the balance right between being codependent and asking for support because it's at the end of the day we're on this planet with billions of people and we're not here alone so it's Mm -hmm. important that we feel comfortable to rely on others for things Mm -hmm. but also not take it to the extreme so the middle ground is that interdependence so, what are your thoughts
0: on getting that balance right? Mm, yes, and this is so important because we're not meant to go it alone, right? And so, it, it sometimes it can be a fine line between codependence and actually just communion and synergy. These are some of the words that instantly come to mind for me. Like this, this synergy is where we come together in our genius. We come together in our gifts to create wholeness to create unity and so in terms of interdependence I really think of unity when I think of interdependence where we come to the realization that we are not separate from one another whatsoever and that's sort of like the final penny drop that that we really get to in our inner work where in the beginning, codependency, we feel separate from everyone. So we're scrambling to try and feel safe because we feel like we're having to go it alone. And then the independence becomes like the bridge that leads to interdependence where we actually come into this remembering that we aren't separate, that we are all specks of the same source consciousness and we are all integrated into the web of life. And this includes nature just as much as it includes other people. And so once we recognize that we all play a vital role in the wholeness of life, we invite ourselves into synergy where there are certain roles that you have to play in this lifetime Time, and then there are other people or other elements or other parts of nature that play different roles and it is actually about us coming together in those gifts that creates the wholeness that we seek, that creates the balance that we seek. Because as as long as we're trying to be hyper-independent, we're expecting ourselves to just hold every gift that there is to hold and we need to figure it all out on our own and that's just simply not why we're here we're not here to go it alone we are here to remember our unity and this word remembering is very important when it comes to codependency and moving past it because the programming partner of codependency is actually the shadow of forgetting and so we can see that when we're in codependence we have just forgotten our interconnectedness and so that's why we feel like we need things from other people or that we don't need anything from other people. We can swing both ways. And so to come into balance is to recognize I have my gifts to bring and then other people have their gifts to bring. And when, when we bring them together, we create wholeness. When we bring ourselves together in synergy, we heal our world. Right, And so balance has a lot to do with this. And so, you know, this is where um, the gift that comes from codependency, which is sensitivity, has this beautiful ability to ask for support because it knows what its own gifts are and it knows what its own needs are. And once you've met your own needs, you can see where the gaps are and who can help to fill those gaps, not because you rely on them, but because you are celebrating their genius and celebrating Mm -hmm. your own at the same time. And so we come into a beautiful dance with other people instead of coming into a sucking of life force, right? In codependency, we're just like clinging on for dear life and like give me what I need, otherwise I can't be safe. Whereas in interdependence, we are whole and we show up to that other person who is also whole and we dance together to bring magic to life. That's really how I see it. How do you see it? I would... (laughs) I
1: mean that was just so beautifully put Um, (laughs) and um yeah it just makes me I completely agree that we've all come here with our own unique set of gifts and Mm. that's a lot of a lot of the journey home membership helps you realize kind of Your gifts especially through the gene keys Mm. um but it's just that feeling of like you feel lit up when someone else asks you for your help or your support Mm. Mm. um and you can tell if it's coming from a drained place because you literally feel drained so if someone's constantly depending on you they're relying on you for emotional support they're calling you all the time it's Mm. draining Mm. but then when someone comes from a place of kind of that interdependence unity Uh, support Mm. you're feeding each other's energy and you're actually just creating yeah like you say magic um so yes I think you
0: can feel the difference but that was just such a great explanation so thank you oh you're welcome and just one more thing to add to that as well like when we ask for support so often we feel bad to ask for support or we feel like, oh no, like, or we even say no when people ask us if they can help us. And we're like, no, no, no. And we we just don't accept help from anyone. And I often say mm-hmm. to my clients, like, let people love you because they want to. You know, when we say no to somebody's service that they want to give us, we're actually denying them the fulfillment of being in their service. Right. Yeah. And when when we actually reach out for support, in a non-codependent way, we actually show our loved ones how much we value them and we give them an opportunity to to do the very thing that's going to fulfil them as well. So when we reach out for support, we shouldn't see it as we are taking something from them but we're actually allowing us both to rise when we ask from that beautiful interdependent place.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Mm. There's actually um, one other element of that we haven't discussed of the less obvious ways of codependency, and that is um, emotional addiction. So Mm. I see this as we can also be dependent on our feelings. And one way that I completely resonated in my job was I was definitely reliant or addicted to stressful situations because mm. I was getting a hit of cortisol, which mm. in the short term was, you know, making me feel good, like a rush of adrenaline, I guess. Mm. Um, and as a result, I was pretty much creating an environment that was stressful because mm. that was familiar for me and it made me feel safe. Yeah. Um. So I'd love to know what's your experience with emotional addiction
0: and how did you break the cycle? Ooh, this is such a good question. I was just talking about this yesterday with one of my one-to-one clients and she was like, oh, my gosh, I'm realizing that I've become addicted to the adrenaline of my job and I and used to buy into that as being a good thing because we can buy into that, that adrenaline rush or that cortisol rush, like you said, as being a good thing because it feels so like, whoo. But we need to zoom out from that and see the ripple effects of that in our lives, Mm -hmm. right? And I definitely resonate with this with my past career as a teacher because I would get so many rushes. And I would say the thing that I became codependent on emotionally was validation, addicted to validation, codependent on validation because wow, my yeah. yeah my sense of worth my sense of identity relied on that and if I wasn't getting that recognition it's like I wasn't getting my life force and so yeah. I believe so from I was yeah. gonna say is that from parents saying you're such a good teacher or my kids love you or Yeah, like definitely from other teachers, recognition, Mm -hmm. yes, from parents, recognition from like my principal or deputies or Mm -hmm. um, even recognition from friends, like even talking about my job. Oh, I did this, I did that. And then they'd be like, oh, Haley, that's so amazing. And so I'd need people to know what I was doing. You know, I was sort of in that place where a good deed didn't count for me unless I told everyone about it, you know, because (laughs) it wasn't actually, it was actually the good deed that I was the intention, but then I was muddying my own love by having this agenda to be filled up with worth because of that. And so that was a very, very draining and destructive cycle and wasn't just draining me energetically but also draining away at my identity and any speck of worth that I had left. And so in order to break that codependency cycle, I actually went through a very long period of very low energy because I wasn't getting that hit. You know, I I was used to literally siphoning recognition for life force, for prana. And I had to completely redefine for myself what life force and energy meant and where it came from.
1: Yeah, that's, well, that's such a good example. Mm. Um, I, I'm trying to think when I, well, I mean, I broke the cycle pretty quickly because I went from a very stressful job to just quitting and going travelling. Mm. So that travelling gave me that kind of complete, well freedom of like no stressful situation Mm. um so I think for me it was like quite a sudden like cold turkey um cut but as soon as I started experiencing kind of yeah just being more relaxed and not having to get up in the morning not having to open emails Mm. um I then started like just feeling kind of like it took a while for my body to adapt but Mm. it was just kind of yeah just kind of uh, freedom um it was yeah it was just kind of I think you don't realize you're in that emotional addiction pattern until you kind of break out of it kind of thing so absolutely
0: and we um, see this when people go on their annual break or for teachers in particular you get school holidays and teachers always get sick in the school holidays and it's like why am I always sick in the school holidays or why does the school holidays come and then I'm too exhausted to do anything when i would just been you know showing up all term and it's not that suddenly you became exhausted you were actually exhausted the whole time. You were just being codependent on certain things to create this false sense of energy. It's like borrowed energy. You know, and we do this with things like coffee, which is another thing we become very codependent on. Coffee is not real energy. It's borrowed energy. And so we notice that then when we stop having it, or we notice that when we do go on school holidays from the job, whatever it was we were codependent on, we're like, why am I so exhausted? You were actually that exhausted the whole time. You were just taking all of these hits of adrenaline and caffeine and things like that um, to mask how you were truly feeling, to push yourself and force yourself to keep going, which of course is what creates our stress yeah yeah definitely mm.
1: so i would love to kind of dive a bit deeper into personal power so mm. um as we're saying like when you're not relying on others or your external circumstances for something that you want or need you're you're, you're using your personal power mm. and in terms of the work that you do and the journey home what does personal power mean to you
0: mm. oh what a big question I would say to me, personal power means remembering who the fuck you are, right? Like really that's what it is to me. It's that, that depth of remembering of recognizing that every single piece of power, safety, worth, love that you crave and that you are searching for externally already exists within you your personal power is literally those electrons and neutrons that never stop spinning in the atoms of every single one of your cells in your body like that is your personal power and it never changes your entire life we just forget or we have experiences Mm -hmm. where people or circumstances make us believe that we don't have personal power and this is where we gain these layers on top of what was that original power you know you think of a child who is just so confident to ask for what they need and say how they feel and that's really them standing in in that untainted uncorrupted personal power and as we have these experiences over our childhood our teen years and into our 20s and 30s we can accumulate so many layers over the top of that personal power that we can't even see it anymore sometimes and so yeah for me it's it's really about that personal power is what allows you to walk in authenticity and a lot of People walking around today don't even know who their authentic self is, let alone how to get back to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's very much connected to this idea of personal power. Because if we don't believe that we have power, we just show up so different, differently in our situations and our circumstances. And ultimately, personal power is the very thing that helps us to move from victimhood into liberation and empowerment and our gifts and a lack of personal power, which isn't actually a lack of personal power, a perceived lack of personal power is the very thing that will keep us trapped in victim patterns and keep us trapped in just doing the same thing over and over without ever transcending our challenges and stepping into the woman we're destined to become because she exists 100% Mm -hmm. of the time. like. Your personal power does not change based on your circumstances, based on your age. It is always the same. It's just a question of have we forgotten or not?
1: Yeah, totally. And I I think it's definitely that layers of conditioning. And, mm. you know, at school, there's rules. Um, your parents have rules for you. They have rules and expectations for your career. And, and if you go to university, they might have a say in, you know, where you're going to go next or into and so I think for me like I had been following this very stereotypical path Mm. Um, I went to uni got you know great grades got a good job in London was getting promoted every six to twelve months um but I was just miserable and blaming I was I was yeah the victim of my circumstance and just blaming my environment being like oh this sucks is this is this what life is just all about Mm -hmm. um and I just came up with excuses for years like Mm -hmm. well I can't really quit my job because I need to pay for rent and how do people expect you to live if you need to work to pay for a roof over your head um so I just yeah I didn't quite realize that I had well this personal power with me all along Mm -hmm. until eventually you just get so kind of fed up and burnt out you kind of just work it out yourself step by step
0: yeah and and just as you're speaking there Alice it made me realize that personal power is like remembering you have a choice you know Mm -hmm. I really see personal power being attached to choice and so often we buy into the lie that we don't have a choice and that we're stuck and in particular this line from equalizer number one I don't know if you've seen equalizer the movies with um Denzel Washington (laughs) bloody love them and in the first equalizer I was re-watching them not that long ago he's talking to this um prostitute and she like and she wants to be more and she wants to be a singer and and he really like believes in her and he says um you know why aren't you following your dreams like why aren't you change like why are you doing this and and she says to him she goes oh, you don't understand the world that I live in. Like, this is just the world I live in. And he goes, well, change your world then. Change the world. (laughs) And I was like, yes, Denzel. (laughs) We forget that... Whatever we are subscribing to that's making us believe we are stuck is just the lens at which we're looking through it, and that mm-hmm. personal power is that space that we dive into. Like it's like a well inside of us that we sort of sit around the edge, just not willing to dive in because we're scared of what it might mean, you know? Because when mm-hmm. you step into your personal power, you suddenly uh, are called out on all your shit. You are suddenly um, put in some really uncomfortable situations where you actually have to make the choices and and you do start using your voice. But as you dive in, you realize, oh my gosh, I was never actually stuck in the first place. And to me, that's the most liberating thing about remembering your personal power.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I've actually written down here, which you you've kind of said in different words that I see the ultimate sign of someone using their personal power is when they're fully expressing themselves. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, they're not allowed, to, they're not afraid to speak up mm. and they don't come across as if they're putting on a front or a, or, or a mask mm. um, and they're confident to show up with kind of all of who they are. So, I mean, even if they're in a bad mood, they're like that they still are confident enough to know that that's normal and they're okay. Yeah. Um, so when I see your Instagram and I see your videos I immediately just know that you're in your personal power you're just so authentic you show up as all of who you are Um, and I love that and I mean I guess that's why you're leading the way with with the journey home membership as well Mm. but I would love to know what has been fundamental on your journey to get you to the point of being able to fully show up as yourself
0: Mm, yeah just as you were saying that Thank you for that beautiful compliment, by the way, Alice. And as you were saying that, my mind's thinking, gosh, it wasn't always that way. (laughs) And my my mind really goes to a big part of my journey, and this isn't the only part, it's just a part that's coming to mind, is uh, reclaiming my personal power has had a lot to do with allowing myself to show up in the world without makeup on and to show up in the world no matter what I'm wearing and no matter what I look like. Because I used to connect my sense of personal power to the way I looked and I thought that I am only worthy of sharing, I'm only worthy of expressing myself and I'm only worth listening to if I'm well presented and mm-hmm. my, the power of what I have to say can only be shared if I look good while I'm sharing it and that was such a block for me um, for a lot of my lifetime and like to the point where even like in my teenage years and my early 20s, I just would never leave the house without makeup on. I couldn't even go Bang. down to the shops. Yeah, because what if I run mm-hmm. into someone that I know or like, ah, you know, you can't show up with with your hair messy or not looking your best. And, and that was a lot of conditioning, you know, from our parents and of no fault of their own, our mothers, who – They, they alchemized that from their mothers and and we're just on the next phase in the road, you know, there's no blame Mm -hmm. here, but no wonder we felt that way. And so, yeah, being able to show up the way I do now on social media has a lot to do with that for me and, and just giving myself the complete agency and the freedom to show up no matter how I'm looking in that moment and actually realizing that that's important for the women who a partaking in my spaces because if I was to show up for every single video, for every single live stream, for every single story with makeup on and looking like in my best, I'd actually be doing them a disservice, and so. That has been such a liberating experience for me, which has unfolded slowly over like the last eight years, I would say, um, where I became more and more comfortable to do so. You know, even like I started dabbling with this back when I was a teacher and I went to school without makeup on one day, or just mascara. I was like, okay, I'll just not do the mascara. Of course, children have no filter. And some of the girls are like, oh, you look much better with mascara on, Miss Haley. Maybe you should wear it tomorrow. Like... You know, we hear these things and we think, oh, am I less worthy? It's like, no, I'm not. Because the things I say and the impact I have does not change based on the way that I look. And this is, it has a big impact on our ability to step into our authenticity. I know a lot of my friends and a lot of women I work with would agree that, you know, say they went out for a night out and they're dressed up and they've got makeup on, they may feel a lot more confident than if they went out and they weren't wearing makeup. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem. That is a problem. Right. And I'm not saying that we need to stop wearing makeup. Like right now, as I'm talking to you, I'm wearing makeup today. And I I chose to do some reels with makeup today, but the reels that I just posted last week, I'm not wearing makeup in any of those, but it doesn't like, that's not actually the problem. Like it's taking it off the table as part of personal power, right? Yeah. And and that's been a big thing for me. Like even taking, it's not about feeling comfortable in your own skin and okay, now I'm just as beautiful with and without makeup and all of this. It's like, no, let's just take the looks completely off the table as part of the conversation. What if that even wasn't part of the conversation? What does that mean for my personal power? It means freedom, right? Freedom. Mm -hmm. And so that's been a very big piece for me, um, as well as getting really comfortable with the sound of my own voice. This is another thing that holds women back from their personal power. I can't tell you how many people I've heard that say, oh my gosh, I hate the sound of my own voice. And even like I do Voxer coaching, which is voice memoing. And a lot of women, when they first enter the space, they will text message me instead of voice noting. And I'm like, hey, are you not voice noting because you're not comfortable with the sound of your own voice? And they're like, Yes. (laughs) We all had that moment when we were young and we recorded our voice for the first time. You're in the same era as me, Alice. You probably did it on a cassette tape. Like I remember recording myself (laughs) at like seven years old and I played it back and my jaw dropped and I was like, is that what my voice sounds like? Oh my gosh, I'm never speaking again. It sounds horrible. Yeah. And you do remember those things. Yeah. We do. And the way that we hear our voice in our own head is different from the way everybody else hears it are you going to let that stop you from expressing your truth? And it is stopping so many of us. And so I also had to desensitize myself to that idea of my own voice and just being like, it's okay, Hayley, you're only finding it difficult to listen to because you've just heard it in your own head for your whole life. But this voice you're hearing playing back to you is what everybody hears. All the people that love you, they do hear this. And so you better get used to it too. You better start loving it too. And that very much has helped with showing up in my authenticity. So yeah, comfortable with my own voice, taking my looks off the table as part of the conversation. And I mean, there's many other things, but they're they're two of the main ones.
1: Yeah, and I think for yeah us women, that's so relevant and helpful. Mm -hmm. I think on the voice thing, when I learned a bit more, I definitely felt the same. And when I learned more about like the power of your voice, we actually each have a frequency that attracts our kind of soul people to us. Mm -hmm. And when I kind of learned that, I was just like, oh my gosh, I need to share my voice. And actually, um, reels and videos is something that I've been putting off on my Instagram because it's like I know it's just something that I've had to build by courage muscle and kind of get myself over, over that and um, self-conscious kind of thing and just do some more videos because the more people see my face and hear my voice, the more you're going to connect with me, the more you'll trust me. And it's just so important, especially if you've got an online business. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So when I kind of remind myself that actually my voice is attracting certain people that's actually just, you know, stops me from just bothering about, yeah, worrying about what I sound
0: like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like we get out of our own way. And when we stop ourselves from expressing our truth because of those things, that's actually us being selfish. We are blocking Mm -hmm. other people from the magic that we are meant to share with them and vice versa, because when we share our magic and connect with another woman, we then receive theirs in return. And so by us Going like nope, I can't show up. We're just doing ourselves and everybody else a disservice, and so yeah. you know it's that process, and and you know this this doesn't happen overnight. You know, I remember the very first time I took a selfie when I don't know it was probably twenty two years old, and like I hid away in my room to take it, and then I was like, oh my gosh, how embarrassing, and I had to delete it because I felt like, oh, am I? does that make me selfish? Does that make me, Mm. you know, do I need to be more humble? Like, who am I to think I should put my voice out there? But I've come to learn, who am I not to? Who am I not to share the passions of my heart, you know? And it's not like we're, if I was showing up online to just have a bitch and a moan and, you know, have a rant, yeah, that's, that's not really worth my time. But when I'm showing up to share the passion of my heart, the pools of my soul and my life's work and my purpose, who am I not to share that? So I better get used yeah, exactly. to my own voice and my own face because, hey, that's the way I've got to do it.
1: <laughs> well, I love both. And honestly, your voice is like the perfect podcast voice. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank <is> amazing. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah your comments just um reminded me of you know the Facebook memories when you you know sometimes I get them up on my notifications and I look back when I was like 14 15 posting on Facebook and I was just posting whatever was on my mind I was so confident I didn't obviously social media was pretty new for us so we were just like whatever like (laughs) not really caring about what people think Mm -hmm. and I obviously look back and I'm cringing a bit and I'm laughing but I'm actually kind of proud yeah but I'm proud of that version of me kind of when I was 13 14
0: Mm.
1: Um, and I'm trying to learn from that again because obviously as you become a teenager in your early 20s Mm. you do become so much more self-conscious and you dial yourself down Mm. and actually yeah you're just like dimming your own light so yeah Mm. go back to your memories if you need some inspiration
0: oh absolutely
1: So my next question is quite a big question. Um, so you might want to just highlight some different areas. But okay. what has what has the impact of learning how to use your personal power had on your life?
0: Oh, oh, Alice, it's just it's just changed everything. Um, a big area it has changed is the quality of my relationships, um, because I would always morph and mold in relationships. So I would become the person I thought that they wanted me to be instead of being truly myself. So that was, a, you know, to do with a massive lack in personal power, even like I was quite a chameleon, even to the point where my language would shift depending on who I was hanging around, you know, like back in my bodybuilding days, I hung out with all the boys at the gym and I would be using F-bombs and saying the C-word and like, rah, 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 you know, and I'd wear different things and my laugh sounded different and then I'd go and hang out with my girlfriends and it was so different and then when I talked to my mom it was so different and then when I talked to this person it's so different and that became more and more apparent for me as I started doing the inner work and I was like I want to be the same me no matter who I'm talking to and Mm -hmm. because of that I have greatly enriched my relationships because now the person isn't connecting with a version of me that isn't real but they're connecting with the true me which makes me feel so much more fulfilled because yes I would make lots of friends and things but it wasn't fulfilling because I'm like well they like a facade and Mm -hmm that's when you get that imposter syndrome or oh, if they knew the real me, they wouldn't like me. And, and it's just oh, your self-worth just goes on a spiral. And so now that I am the authentic me, my circle has gotten a lot smaller, but mm-hmm. the quality of my relationships has just exploded where I now know that I am not everybody's cup of tea <laughs> and some people are actually really repelled by me. And that is so okay because that's the trade-off. If we want to be magnetic, and this is what really happens when we step into our personal power, our attractor sphere starts to pulsate at a whole new degree and your attractor Mm -hmm. sphere is magnetic. And so as a magnet, yes, you are going to draw people towards you. Like, you know, you put those magnets together and they just pull each other like crazy. And I experienced that like in my marriage and with my best friends and things like that and with my soul clients, like, It's just like a magnet. But then a magnet has the other end and it repels. And no matter how hard you try, you know, I always think about when you hold two (laughs) magnets and you try your best, like as a kid, you're like, why can't I get them to touch? You can try your best and they're never going to stick together. And that is a trade-off. But instead of seeing that as a bad thing, I have chosen to embrace that as being a sign that I am walking in the right direction. If I am repelling people from me, man, I am showing up in my personal power and in my authenticity. If everyone is liking what I have to say, am I truly being authentic? That's the question. Like if everybody loves me, am I actually being the fullness of me? Because if I am truly in my sphere, I should be repelling almost as often as I am attracting. And so that has really been this beautiful, flourishing thing in my life, which I never expected, Alice. Like, I thought that I had really incredible relationships and I've always been quite a social person. And like I said, I've always had lots of friends and lots of connections. And I thought, oh, relationships, like, I don't need any help with that. (sighs) <laughs> ended up being like the place where i actually needed it the most and and as those relationships have become so potent and i'm able to show up in my authenticity within these relationships i'm so attracted to that's actually giving me fueling my personal power even more to be able to show up outside of those close relationships as even more of myself as well
1: yeah yeah i think um i definitely know like myself and um, like family Mm. members friends they're all going through like a phase at the moment where they just seem to be losing their friends and Mm. I mean there does come a lot of grief with that because you immediately blame yourself and you think why don't they like me anymore what have I done I don't understand they haven't really been messaging me um but I do try I mean I use my personal power kind of work and my experience to convey that same message and say like look it's because you're stepping into like who you really are Mm. and ultimately you're you might be highlighting aspects of the other people that they don't like about themselves so they're just running Mm. in the opposite direction Mm. um but actually all they all that really means is they don't want to look at their own shadows so Mm. they'd rather just you know sometimes you do highlight the shadows in other people when you speak up um, yeah. and I was a big people pleaser for so many years. I just wanted to fit in. I mean, who doesn't? yeah, um, but I always felt like so just not myself awkward, anxious in certain situations um so i I see that as like I would much rather have a smaller circle, go to events on my terms, where I feel so comfortable um and it's honestly, like you can just feel it when you're at an event and you've just had the best time because you just were completely yourself. Mm. Um, And I've spent yeah way too long just trying to fit in. And so, yeah, that's definitely relationships is a huge plus when you're Mm.
0: using your personal power. Absolutely. And that takes time and patience, you know, that initial time where the circle suddenly becomes so much smaller, we can have this freak out moment like, you know, especially if we were codependent. On that recognition, on those relationships to fill up our worth and our identity, that's going to be a really uncomfortable moment when that starts to happen. And as you become patient with this path of personal parent authenticity, that circle of friends that you are attracting is just going to keep growing and growing over your lifetime. And so even though my, my group of friends now is smaller than what it has been in the past, I believe that in 10, 20, 30 years time from now, it is going to be so much bigger than it ever was in the past because Mm -hmm. the people I'm attracting to me by being in my authenticity, I will continue to attract those people to me and end up with this beautiful ecosystem of uh, just people that I'm in these reciprocal relationships with and it's such an important part of life.
1: Yeah yeah Mm -hmm. definitely so there was a concept that one of my mentors um, introduced me to this this year and it was about personal power versus circumstantial power Mm -hmm. and this helped me really understand the concept of personal power because I mean, when your circumstances are in your favor, you've got all the power to kind of go after what you want. You're much more confident. Um, You know, if you've you've got someone helping you do something, it's all kind of lining up to get you to where you want to go. Mm -hmm. And as soon as those circumstances are not there, you you know you accept defeat you think oh well it's not meant to be then oh this is you know like uh, sucks for me I don't have you know enough money or or whatever your kind of circumstantial situation might be mm-hmm. and that is exactly when you need to step into your personal power but so mm-hmm. many people don't mm-hmm. so how do you stay in your personal power when your circumstances are not going the way that you thought they might
0: oh this is a this is a good <laughs> one and this is something that I have to like, I'm on the ground practicing this one, you know. Like, yeah. I feel like this is one where if it's a long road to really embody that, and it takes a lot of awareness. One of the ways I mean, relationships is coming up again for me in this, um, which is really interesting that it's just coming through a lot. But, um, I would always say, like, if, if I wasn't gelling with someone well enough, or if I was feeling uncomfortable around someone, I would always become a victim and say, oh, but I need someone's energy to bounce off to be myself. You know, mm-hmm. if, if they don't, if they're not meeting me with that energy, well, I can't be in my magic. What bullshit. Yeah. And so I have been really challenging myself lately in those types of circumstantial personal power of saying, okay, Haley, just because that person isn't matching your energy doesn't mean that you can't bring it, doesn't mean that they are sucking away any of your life force and doesn't mean that you can't still bring your humor and bring your bubbliness and and bring your wisdom. You don't need them to give you permission to be her because she is who you are. And so that's been a really big one for me, like the energy of someone else. This is something that I'm working through with um a couple of my clients at the moment where they find themselves sort of sucked into somebody else's shadow energy or negative energy, where if the mm-hmm. circumstances are oh, I'm with people that are in this victim mindset now i'm now I'm anxious now i now I don't have solid feet to stand on, and it's like no. Just It's about disentanglement, right? So that's really the the word for me when it comes to circumstantial personal power, disentangling yourself from your environment, disentangling yourself from that other person or that thing, you know, maybe disentangling yourself from the amount of followers that you have on Instagram or the amount of views that you're having on your stories, which is something I've been talking about this week and working through Um, because we need to take account for what's ours and what's not ours. Because Mm -hmm. as our personal power increases and decreases depending on our external circumstances, we are using our external circumstances as a measuring stick of of how much personal power we have access to. And the truth is, is you have access to 100% at all times. And so it's really about that disentanglement and being like, okay, I'm feeling uncomfortable or I'm feeling disheartened or I'm feeling this way. What is it about my external circumstances that I am entangled with that is decreasing my personal power? And how can I disentangle that and remember that it all lives within me?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And that's something I'm finding I can still find really difficult if someone's, you know, in a mood around me or they're like yeah just not not in the high kind of vibrational state that I might be in I immediately can be dragged down and mm. um, and I mean I can get in a mood I can just be like oh well I was having a good day and you know mm. um so I'm very conscious of that as well and there's lots of like different practices that I try and do even if it's just like take some space and, and just go outside and breathe and mm. um, remind myself that their emotions are not my emotions so it's not my job to take on someone else's emotions and yes you can be there for someone but you don't need to start, you know taking them on Mm. um so Mm. it is definitely probably the most difficult and it's always ongoing I I don't think you're gonna just suddenly
0: master this overnight no and because also it's, it's energetics and when you bring two frequencies side by side they they try to come into equilibrium to, to match each other like that's just scientific mm-hmm. and so that's the True. feeling that we're experiencing and so it's okay like we don't have to get down on ourselves for that happening like oh there I go again getting dragged down by someone else because as soon as we get harsh with ourselves about that happening we block ourselves from doing anything about it any anyway. Way. so it's just about having that awareness and going oh okay my husband is in a bad mood right now and I've just noticed that my frequency is trying to spiral down but I have a choice right now and what do I want to do about that you know and if if you do get caught up in that other frequency and you spiral down that's okay too you know that doesn't make us a bad person and it doesn't mean we've lost our personal power we just forgot mm-hmm. and guess what yeah. we're gonna remember In another moment or maybe tomorrow, you know, hindsight is a beautiful thing, Um, but the more loving, gentle awareness we bring to ourselves in these situations, the more we will be able to rise that frequency because our frequency rising all has to do with love. And so Mm -hmm. the amount of love we will give to ourselves in that moment when we notice we're spiraling is the very thing that will help us to rise again instead of if we catch ourselves and then we get down on ourselves, we just decrease our frequency even more. And so I think that's a really important thing to bring into our awareness. Yeah, definitely.
1: So I am shifting a little bit back to codependency. Mm -hmm. um, When we were talking about kind of the emotional addiction and the stress, um, this is why feeling burnt out is also related to codependency mm-hmm. and we're not using our personal power. And, I mean, I was probably burnt out for a good 15 years and it was mm-hmm. compounding and I didn't quite realise what was going on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. So I know, like, you know, a lot of your listeners might be feeling this way right now. So what would you say was the most important thing for um people to be aware of so they can overcome their
0: burnout? Mm, oh, burnout is like... Pandemic at the moment, and especially mm-hmm. for women, uh, because there's certain elements of our genetic design that just isn't meant for this hustle and this non stop go, 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 go. Same with men as well. I mean, men get burnt out too. Um, but mm-hmm. I mean, women are definitely the demographic that I work with. And so I'm speaking to that, like, my. Gosh, burnout is a really serious thing that we're dealing with here. And it really makes me think about also Gene Key 40. There's some beautiful secrets for us in Gene Key 40 for burnout because it is the shadow of exhaustion. And the shadow of exhaustion comes about when we have let our boundaries slide or we never put them in place in the first place. And one of the biggest reasons for burnout is simply not feeling comfortable to say no. And this is something that the women of the world are learning how to do. We are learning to say no and learning to decipher between what is for us and what is not for us. Because up until now, we have believed that what's for us is just whatever someone asks of us. And those are two completely different things. And Mm -hmm. When we just say yes to everything or when we put our energies towards things that actually aren't meant for us and aren't in alignment with our deepest purpose, it's a one-way road to exhaustion and burnout, whereas you can actually be expelling the same amount of energy towards the things that are for you and not burnout which is really interesting energetically. Um, but yeah. when when we are aware of our, it's about becoming really aware of your energy and how much we actually have instead of, instead of just expecting ourselves to have this endless well of energy that can just keep going and going and going. We are very cyclic in nature. We ebb and we flow. We go in our moon cycles. We go in our seasons. And It's Mm -hmm. so important to, to recognize when is time to rest and when is time to work. And I know that for, you know, for me, when I was full-time teacher, if I'm really tired in the middle of the day, I can't just be like, kids, I'm going to sleep. However, you can still show up to your full-time job in a state of, of rest because rest doesn't mean that you need to be sleeping you can be restful while you're in your work environment it's more about um the frequency in which you're showing up with you know and just not holding the weight of all of the things that don't actually matter that is one of the biggest reasons for burnout is we are carrying these backpacks around full of bricks <laughs> of yeah. everybody else's shit that we were never meant to carry And no wonder we are exhausted and we rarely take that backpack off. And so overcoming burnout is about starting to take those bricks out one at a time, starting to decipher when things come our way. Is this for me? Is this meant for me or not? How does that feel in terms of my energy? Like, where am I at right now with my energy? Is that going to add to my life or hinder my life? Because we see it as I need to say yes, because... I just need to be doing stuff for other people all the time to be in my highest service, you know? And so that has a good intention. We want to serve people. We want to love people. But when Mm -hmm. you are drained and exhausted, you are actually not in your highest service and your truest service to the world. And the most glorious love that you can give actually comes from a place of you being full first. And like, this is where I use the analogy of the cup. Like we often talk about, You've got to fill your cup up. But people often see that as I fill my cup up so that then I can pour it back out on others and then it becomes empty. So then I fill it up again and I pour it back out. And most women fill it up a quarter of the way and pour it back out. But the way I see the analogy is the filling of the cup is just for you. And then the overflow of that cup is your service. And so unless there is overflow there to be had, you are actually not in your highest service. And mm-hmm. so it's all about these energetics and and really like being willing to be honest with yourself and yeah, honest that I actually don't have the energy for that or actually that isn't in alignment with how I feel like my highest purpose needs to move today or tomorrow and and, yeah, and learning to say no in that process.
1: Yeah, I know when I was – Kind of in my um, full time jobs in London, I was definitely I was definitely saying yes all the time, especially Mm. in that hierarchical level. If someone Mm. more senior to me was asking me to do something or help them, Mm. I would say yes because ultimately I wanted to come across. I wanted that validation. I wanted to control how they perceived me. Mm. And the thought of saying no, I mean, there was this one um, very senior. I think he was at director level. He wasn't my manager. He was kind of in the department but doing his own job. But he just knew I was super efficient at what I was doing and Mm. he was not the most um admin kind of guy so he kept asking me for help and I mean at the beginning I didn't really know him obviously I know he's senior so I want to impress him I'm saying yes all the time until eventually I've got such a huge workload one day I just said no and oh my gosh he was so shocked so annoyed he even went to my manager to complain about me, <laughs> and I think for me that like, that really um, that was the first time I said no, and it was mm. quite hard, but I mm. had to say no because I physically did not have the energy, mm. did not have the hours in the day to help him mm. outside of my own kind of capacity, mm. um, and that was the beginning of actually me. Making because I mean, it's just uncomfortable, isn't it? When you, yeah. you don't want to let someone down, mm. but I knew that I was like, I'm making the right decision for me, and I'm sorry that you're upset, but it's not actually my job to do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that for me, that was the beginning of starting to put some boundaries in,
0: yeah. And I mean, people's reaction is not your responsibility, right. And mm-hmm. even though you can come up against those reactions in the beginning, especially when we first start putting up boundaries, what I've found to be true is that as we really start to ground into our no's with core stability, so not like a shaky no, but a really grounded, loving no, we actually gain more respect from people. Yeah, We actually do. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I got really good at this at, at school for my last couple of years as a teacher because I was already on my inner road kind of path and you know, there was teachers running extra freaking curricular activities and groups and they're in this committee and that committee and everyone's yes, yes, yes. And who can do the most things? You're the most worthy. And I did none of it. Every time I was asked or like, Haley, can you be the team leader for this? No, sorry. I don't actually have the capacity. And, but the reason I would say that, I'd say, I feel like that would take away from what I'm actually here to do. You know, yeah. my gifts lay in loving those children and creating that content. And I feel like if I was to take that on, it will diminish that. And at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. And so it's a, about the way in which you say it. And I actually gained mm-hmm. a lot of respect for my nose. And then people start yeah. being like, oh, maybe I should be saying no more too. And this is what, what we do when we don't lower our standard to fit someone else's. We actually encourage everybody else to rise. So if we just keep saying yes to things, we become part of the problem. You know, and so it yeah. becomes very uncomfortable to go against the norm and like, like you know, there's all these things about wanting to belong and wanting to be accepted, but it's actually by taking that more difficult route, it becomes the easy route in the end. And it actually is the ultimate service saying no to someone is doing them the ultimate service if it's not in true alignment with you. And that might not come into fruition for a long time down the road, but can we be okay with that anyway? Because the thing was saying no, we say no because we don't want to experience the discomfort of that. But in by not wanting to experience that discomfort, we're doing them a disservice by enabling them to, to buy into this way of being. And so it's like this self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, and so you do have to get over that little hump of discomfort as we learn and, and we do that. You start with the little things. You know, you can start with saying no just to yourself in certain areas. Like, oh, no, if I was to do that right now, that's not going to serve my energy. We learn to say no with ourselves first and then with the people that we're comfortable with and then at work. And then, you mm-hmm. know, it's not like everyone needs to go to work tomorrow and say fuck you to their boss and like <laughs> lose their job. You know, that's not what we need to do. But it's this gradual, it's a foundation that you need to build.
1: Yeah, and actually, on that note, my relationship with this senior colleague um, massively strengthened after that point. And my mm. manager gave him the context of what I was doing in my job because he had no idea how busy I was. Yeah. And actually, he even respected me even more. And he was like, gosh, he even was saying yes there when you she shouldn't have. Amazing. Um, so yeah, we had a good relationship. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so I have two more questions left, if you don't mind. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Um, I would love to know what are your daily or weekly practices um, that you do to help you improve your ability to use your personal power?
0: Mm, Daily practices are really important for me and um, very important for me because in my SQ Gene Key, I'm a line one, which is the line of rhythm and routine, which means to access like the power and love of my heart. That's really important for me. But then on a large scale, it is important for all of us in some way, shape, or form. You know, we are rhythmic beings. We, we thrive in certain routines. And definitely one thing I do want to say before I share my routines, one thing about like practices and daily practices is I hold them loosely. I don't hold them too tightly because I don't want to become codependent on that practice to have to happen in order for me to have my personal power. So, like in the past, I I started journaling, and that was helping me so much to show up in my personal power at work because I'd write about the things I was a bit anxious about, and then how mm-hmm. I could approach those situations, and where the opportunities were for love and and you know my own evolution, which would help me to show up and thrive more. But then I became codependent on that, so if God forbid I slipped in from my alarm or I was too tired or no, I'm going to have a terrible day now because I don't have time to sit and do that practice to show up in my personal power. So that's a really interesting thing to be aware of. And so to hold these practices loosely where, yes, there's something that can improve and, and give us like make us feel like we have more access. But at the end of the day, if you could never do that practice again for the rest of your life, your access to your personal power doesn't change. It's just like this extra little bridge where you can boost it And so for me, it's, it's definitely journaling, you know, definitely journaling. I don't journal every single day. I, um, nowadays I, I always sit with myself though. So I will just start my day just sitting in my own aura. And I think that's important. And even this practice that I learned of you put one hand up to the sky, so like the power of the cosmos, you put one hand down to the ground, the power of Gaia, you bring those hands together slowly to make a little sort of sphere over your solar plexus, which is your chakra of personal power, and just just sit in that feeling and just remember, right? I start my mornings with remembering who I am because I have found who I am through the pages of my journal and the gene keys and contemplation. And now my practice is about remembering that because the world is so noisy and there is so much just going on and pulling for our attention that of course we forget and it's okay. Mm-hmm. But if, if we know that we, that we have a tendency to forget our personal power, well, then it's important to have practices that help us to remember. And so for me, it is really that morning time. Sitting with my journal, sometimes writing in it, probably three to four times a week, I'll actually write in my journal. Other times I just sit in front of it um, and just, yeah, really sitting with that. Then the other core thing that I do is I have conversations with myself. So whenever I'm feeling a lack of personal power, um, maybe it's a social situation that I'm driving in my car to, or even like little things still get me, like if I had to go pick up my car from the mechanic. I still have this tendency to get intimidated by that energy, and and like I'm scared to walk in and just be like, "Hey, I'm here to like pay you five hundred dollars to pick up my car." Like, why am I forgetting that I have personal power? So when I'm driving to those sorts of things or I'm prepping myself, I'll just have a conversation and I'll just say, Hayley, remember, remember who you are." Or I'll rub my, I'll rub across my heart and my solar plexus, and I'll just say, "You are safe." And I'll even, um, you know, I'll just talk to myself about whatever's bothering me to then access my own wisdom nuggets and to remember, right? These are just all practices of of remembering. So they're the ones I really like. I'd love to hear what yours are, Alice.
1: Uh, yeah, so I definitely do the same kind of talking to myself to, mm. I mean, a lot of it is about going back to feeling safe. So mm. when we're not feeling safe, that's when you're in panic mode or relying on other people, um so just reminding yourself that like in this present moment I'm safe I'm okay I can make a decision it's my choice yeah um for me my like I said earlier I do my daily gratitude and yeah like if I miss a day or two I'll actually will catch up because for me it's just um maybe it's just kind of my um it's not that I'm like dependent on it at all, because I mean, I can go a whole day and have a great day and I haven't done mm. my gratitude. But, but I committed. just feel like, what a sh- yeah, what a shame that I just didn't recap yesterday. So even yeah. if I go back, I'm just like, let me remember yesterday, because mm. it just gives me so much more of a like, um, just that kind of power of like, I... I mean, one of the hardest things is actually when you've had a bad day and you still need to do like you do your gratitude.
0: Mm. That's actually one
1: of the most powerful things, because Mm. I mean, I could have had the worst day or, um, you know, even been ill or Mm. someone could have passed away. And and there you are kind of sitting down saying everything that you're grateful for but that is actually when you realize like, wow, it's still in my power to look for the things that have, Mm. you know, that I am grateful for. Mm -hmm. Um, So that really helps to remind me that my life is my creation and and it is within my power. Mm. Um, my daily gratitude, um, and I literally just spend five minutes, it's really not a big deal. Mm. Um, And I only really do like five or six. So it's, yeah, it's not kind of time consuming. But I know it me in a like a much better state of mind for if I'm doing it in the morning, it kind of boosts me for the rest of the day. Anyway, amazing. Um, so yeah, and then talking to myself as well is like yeah, just another way that you're tapping into your own personal power again. Mm, mm, brilliant. And my final question is: Who are your role models? Um, because I know I definitely have certain whether it's people in the coaching world, family kind of past people in you know workplaces Mm. that I've looked up to um, and they have massively spurred me on to be an example of well if they can do it then I'm going to keep going and I can do it too so I would just love to know who are your role models
0: even just you asking that question I feel my eyes fill with tears I don't know if you can see through the screen are they getting emotional Um, my husband Bevan is just he is my role model and he is the person I look up to most in this world, and it's weird because I, I both look up to him but also see myself as an equal at the same time. But yeah. he, I often say, I'm like, it's truly Bevan that's behind the journey home because he's <laughs> the one that keeps me in check, you know. He's the one that, like, it extracts so much of my wisdom. But he's my role model because he just has this beautiful core stability. He's so steadfast. He's so grounded. And he creates really glorious balance in his life. So he has the most incredible work ethic that I have ever witnessed in my life, like just phenomenal work ethic. But at the same time, he plays and he makes sure that if he is feeling a bit stressed, like he'll take his kayak out and go fishing in the middle of the ocean, just with him in the water, or he'll get his surfboard Mm -hmm. and, you know, or he'll just take his fishing rod down to the beach and... He never apologizes for doing that and he never, it's never an issue. It's just, this is how you balance in life. And so I love witnessing him in his magic in that way. And then the other reason why Bevan's my role model is because he's so selfless, but not selfless in like a loss of personal power way. And like, a he says yes to everything, but just, you know, when I first met Bevan, I was so selfish and it's often a joke that we have. I'm like, Bevan, how did you fall in love with me? I was such a selfish bitch when you met me. <laughs> like, when you always you normally like...
1: attract your like, like for like, don't you? Absolutely, <laughs> but he
0: he could always see who I truly was and oh. he could see through all of that because the truth was I actually wasn't selfish. I was just behaving in a selfish manner And Mm -hmm. witnessing him in the way that he does life and the way that he um, moves in community and and loves people and shows up and follows through with his word just spurred me on right from day one to start questioning like, oh, he makes me want to be a better human. And so he's right from day one, he's been that role model and he continues to be that role model. And yeah, he just inspires me so much and I just love his passion but his playfulness and he just keeps me um he keeps me grounded in times where I'm floating up into the air and he's like <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm very I can be very airy and he's very earthy. And so yeah, and and then of course Richard Rudd in a in a <laughs> yeah. In like a, in a life's work type way. I mean, Richard Rudd is just like, oh, I almost feel bad for Bevan. Like, I'm like, am I in love with him? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just, he inspires me so much because of the fact that he's equal parts mystic and mundane and yeah. you know a lot of the spiritual teachers out there uh, live these lives that feel out of touch and live these lives that aren't actually relatable to us humans who are like on the ground working jobs and having families and relationships i love that richard rudd is so mystical but he is a father of 3 and he has a wife and even that so many of the mystical teachers in the world don't have families they then you know they're not living that day-to-day life and so i find him very inspiring in that way and i could just sit and listen to him all day long um and i keep that really i keep my influences very small because i used to look to too many teachers too many people and I would call that and Richard Rudd calls this digging too many wells where you've got a shovel and you're running around tr- digging all of these wells, but you don't stay long enough to get water. And so you've just got a shitload of holes with no water. And so yeah, such a oh, it's just brilliant. And that really has stuck with me. And so in terms of like the people that I look to as mentors, I keep that very small. And so mm like I am in the gene keys and I see Richard Rudd as this teacher and I am digging a well there and there is so much water just like with Bevan, there is so much water in that well. And so I really just keep my focus there and I don't get, I try to not get caught up in the noise of the world or like follow too many teachers or listen to, I don't really listen to a lot of podcasts and I don't read a lot of books. I really cut back on that because it was actually affecting me accessing my own wisdom because I was drowning it out with the noise of everything else. And so, yeah, small yeah small amount of of um influences yeah yeah
1: I, I agree with that it was actually adding to my overwhelm so I almost mm-hmm. felt like I was going in the opposite direction at one point so yeah. I've massively yeah reduced um even like the yeah the access I have a lot of access to like incredible courses and it mm-hmm. can feel very overwhelming mm-hmm. so I have to be very selective with yeah. do I really need to do this now is this going to help my work yeah, um, Because otherwise it gets noisy in your head and you can't
0: yeah, yeah, draw on your own wisdom. And using your personal power to lead you mm-hmm. in the direction of what's for you. I actually yeah. have a couple of questions for you, Alice. I know that it's getting late where you are. Do you have like 10 more minutes for me to ask you a couple of yeah. questions? <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, first, I, I really want to ask you a question around being a line three in your life's work. So just for the listeners... In terms of the gene keys, um, you can be one of six lines within each of your gene keys. So I'm talking about Alice's life's work gene key. So you can be a line one, two, three, four, five, or six. And they're all a different expression of like personality in the way you show up in the world. Alice is a line three in her life's work, which is keynoted the changer and the changer like loves adventure and it loves to move and it loves to travel and i know alice you were just the epitome of a line three because Like you've just, you know, you've lived in so many places around the world. You love to travel, and a line three does multiple things at one time sometimes, or has multiple careers over a lifetime. They don't pigeonhole themselves into just one thing or one place, or, you know. But the thing with a line three is that it can be difficult when you look at other people in the world and sort of buy into the fact that, oh my gosh, am I not creating stability? Like is there something wrong with me for not just staying in that one job forever or not just like staying in the one house forever? And so I would just love to hear from you as a line three sort of the empowerment you take from being that line three, the changer, and how you live your life with so much change and ebb and flow and how you allow that to empower you instead of make you believe that, you're less than because of that. Yeah. So
1: I think the first one the easiest one for me is like my love for travel mm. and I think because it's just so exciting, exhilarating, fun, interesting, you meet so many, you know, different people, you learn about different cultures. For me, that's just never been a bad thing. And I remember at uni, everyone went to, in the summer, they went and got work experience working in banks, civil service, spent the whole eight weeks in an office And I couldn't think of anything worse. Um, And so I saved up my, I had a university loan and then I had a job at uni. So I used my money from the job to cover my expenses. And then the loan was like a couple of grand. And I just put that straight on pre-booking flights like nine months in in advance. (laughs) So I always knew I was spending at least six weeks traveling every summer. Um, And I had, don't regret anything, of course, because I had the Mm -hmm. time of my life. But then as soon as I finished uni, I had absolutely nothing on my CV yeah. um, and the job I had at uni was kind of note taking. So, I mean, it was very basic. I couldn't really say that I was doing anything fancy in a bank or in an office. Mm. Um, so it actually, yeah, it was a bit of a shock because I was like, oh, no, have I made a mistake? Mm. I'm clearly just like the odd one out here that like it's really struggling to get a job. I had about 20 interviews, um, didn't really know what I wanted either. So I think that came through in the interview because mm-hmm. I was obviously just like not very passionate about whatever I was going for. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I just found a part time. It was actually like a temping contract uh, at another university. And thank God this, well, I'm still friends with her because she was my manager. She just gave me a chance and was, I, <laughs> I mean, she probably saw that I was, you know, I'm very hardworking and, you know, I, I do my best. So she probably saw the potential Um, And it was only a contract job, but um, that was my first kind of like, oh, wow, I've got an office job. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so that was my first taste of like, oh, I'm a bit different here and I'm not sure I'm going to really fit into this routine that everyone seems to be following. Mm. Um, But, yeah, in in terms of kind of, I'm the only one in my family that, like, does love to travel. And if anything, I can't really understand why other people don't love it as much Mm. as me. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I think there's definitely a perception that I've got that I see it as a good thing. Yeah. Um, and it has really helped me manage like change. Mm. Um, I'm One of my core values is courage. And again, like I'm not afraid to try something because I know through that trial and error, I'll work out what I like, what I'm good at. And, and when something hasn't worked out, I'm like, oh, now I've learned from that. So I, I know not to do that again. And so again, mm. I see that as a really good thing. Mm. And I guess that's that three line like just yeah. throwing myself into that change in the adventure. Uh, but learning from it and then getting ahead even even further than I was before, mm. rather than being scared and mm. and being scared of change and not doing anything.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, so yeah, I have I moved to Spain. Uh so I I quit my I've kind of quit all my jobs and then just found another job. But my last mm. job that I quit that was my full time uh kind of Um, employee role I quit that to go traveling and I only had a plan as far as I booked one one one-way flight to Brazil I knew I was going to travel for four months and I had like my finances planned for that and then I didn't know when I was going to fly home so I didn't have a return flight Um, and then in that time I was kind of seeing my now husband (laughs) so we were kind of just like long distance dating because he was living in Spain Mm -hmm. and the time I traveled around South America with two girlfriends. He actually said, like, let's just make it official. So he asked me out well, while I was still traveling. I hadn't seen him for, like, months. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to move with you in, in Barcelona. Uh, so I, I flew straight from – I was in Peru at the time. I finished in Peru and flew straight to Barcelona and just moved into his flat. And I managed to um, – I had still had my rent to pay in London. So I managed to go on um, SpareRoom.com in the UK and I just found a guy who was I literally interviewed him I was in Colombia and I was I was just looking for someone normal to be honest someone because I hadn't you know I knew I wasn't going to meet them and I was like whoever moves in is just going to be moving straight into my room and thankfully I just found like a guy who seemed like really decent um, and he was happy to cover my rent for six months so that's pretty much how I've been moving and then eventually I just I was fed up with having that flat to think about so I got rid of I eventually just terminated my contract and mm. um, carried on traveling. And then I moved back to London for a couple of years, but yeah, everything has been quite fast paced with no real plan mm. further than like three to six months ahead. Um, and now here I am living in Peru uh, with again, no real, like we're not fixed. Like my husband is exactly the same as me. He's <laughs> the exact same human design profile, which is like in terms of he's a three five splenic projector mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um So we are definitely on the same page (laughs) and we could up tomorrow and, I mean, we would love to go back to Barcelona. Mm. So, yeah, if there's an opportunity that arises, we literally pack our suitcases and
0: go. (laughs) Mm. And, I mean, I love that because this is what the line threes of the world, especially the line threes in life's work like you, you're here to teach us that change is safe and you're here to teach us that that change isn't only safe, but it's essential because it is evolution and that's our purpose. And just even hearing your story, it brings peace to my heart and I'm sure the heart of the listeners as well that, hey, like I'm going to be Okay. And that's what the line Maybe. three energy teaches us when they're in their gift because when a line three isn't in their gift and they're more in their shadow patterns, they can be petrified of change. But you've really embraced that and you're not just creating a beautiful life for yourself, but in your life's work, you are actually enabling other people to be able to face change with more safety and power in their hearts. And so that leads me beautifully into my final question. I know that you have just launched a brand new program called The Plot Twist, which is such a beautiful piece of work from A Life's Work Line 3. I see this as just being the epitome of what you're here to do. And it's all about helping people to make changes in their life. So I would love for you just to share a little bit about what that program is, what inspired you to create it, and yeah, share with us. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I've just pre-launched this and it's been
1: on my heart for months. Um, And then again, I've kind of just let the creation come through quite naturally. And um, so, I mean, the, the title, The Plot Twist, it kind of says it all in that <laughs> you are in control of your life story. And if you want to make that change, I mean, we all love a plot twist and it's about being the one that that sees it coming first. So yeah. so many people probably didn't see that I was going to quit my job, but I knew I was going to quit my job because mm. I just wasn't feeling my job anymore. I was burnt out. It wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life and I was like I need to change. So this is really to inspire people who are ready for that. Or mm. well, they just know it's a, a, a career change is awaiting. Mm. And it's not necessarily, you know, I'm not pro quitting a job, set up your own company at all mm. because I know that's not for everyone. Yeah. And it may not be aligned to even your desires or your wants, Mm -hmm. but there's still definitely untapped potential in you. And if you're in a job that's demotivating, burning you out, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're just, yeah, you're doing a disservice to yourself and to the world. So Mm -hmm. the program is all about giving you that confidence, the knowledge, um, the awareness of so many topics that I had no idea were. I was kind of doing a lot of this subconsciously. um, Now I look back in hindsight, But since I've done a lot of kind of personal development, being in the journey home, understanding energetics and your energy, as we've been talking about, emotional intelligence, personal Mm -hmm. power is obviously huge in terms of making those decisions Mm -hmm. and not being a victim to your current circumstance, Mm -hmm. Um, taking aligned action. Because you can think, "Oh, I just need to apply for another job and get out of here," but actually, you you're not taking the actions that are in alignment with what you want, and you're going to end up in the exact same position and the pattern. It just didn't have a job. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, I cover like all the key topics that just I haven't I haven't found a a program anywhere that covers everything that I find is absolutely vital Mm -hmm. that you need to be aware of to successfully follow your kind of dream desires, your dream career. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I've created it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I um, love that. And again, like because I love community, it's a community feel. So, once you're in, you're in a community for life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is lifetime access. So, there's no, because I'm, I mean, everyone is busy, and people that I work with are, are feeling burnt out as well. So, this isn't about a program where you've got certain dates or set time mm-hmm. to get through it. It's you do it in your own time. Mm-hmm. Some people are more motivated to get out of their job than others. Um, so I've really tried to design it so that it's with everyone's kind of Mm. situation in
0: mind so it gives you the best to go after what you really want and create your own plot twist. Sounds incredible. And it sounds like if I had had access to something like that years ago when I was in, like you said, the cycle, I would leave teaching, but I'd be stuck in the Mm -hmm. exact same cycle and I'd come back (laughs) and then I'd leave again because I was burnt out. And I come back again and it took for me to really drop into so many of the things you were talking about there about the personal power and the victimhood and your circumstances. Like I, it, I spent years discovering all of that for myself in a very long drawn out way to finally be able to leave that job and and to pave the way for what I do now, which I hadn't, when I left my job, I had no idea that this is what I would be doing. I just knew that I couldn't do that anymore and had enough of that groundedness yeah. and understanding to be able to do it. But it sounds like this program could have taken me from point A to point B in like a tenth of the time. (laughs) So I didn't have to figure it all out on my own. And I know that there are so many women and men, I know that you serve both women and men out there who are feeling stuck in jobs that are just draining them and that they're not enjoying. Or maybe like me, a job that you did enjoy, but still it wasn't a fit. You know, it needs to be in alignment with most of who you are. I'm not going to say all of who you are because, you know, (laughs) slim pickings when we look at it that way, but, you know, (laughs) most of who you are and something that supports you energetically as well. So I just Mm -hmm. want to congratulate you for creating that program, Alice. I know it's, it's not easy to go out and create something and to birth a desire from your heart. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have to move through so many shadow patterns and so many big emotions to to get from an idea for a program and actually having that and launching it and bringing it to people. And so I really commend you um, for showing up to bring your passion because by doing so, you're going to be impacting so many people's lives. And, yeah, just mm. I love it. I love seeing
1: (laughs) it. Yeah, it's literally so the doors open in I think less than two weeks and it's just literally the beginning. So I'm really excited to kind of, yeah, see where this is going to be in a couple of years and I know this will be like my core product that
0: other things will kind of grow from there as well. Beautiful. Well, I'll definitely pop all of the information in the show notes for anyone who's listening and is feeling really attracted to that offer. Definitely go and check out. Alice's website, but also her Instagram is fantastic. Alice, I love the content that you post. It's so thought-provoking. It's like, oh, I haven't thought about that. And it's very educational at the same time. So definitely go and give Alice a follow. But Alice, I just want to thank you so much for not only coming on here today and and taking up an hour and a half of, of your time while you were growing a beautiful child and launching a your first program, all at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's so, always the way, isn't it? <laughs> it's that line three energy, you know, you're going to be doing multiple things at once. So I really want to thank you um, for coming here today to, to ask these beautiful questions. I'm so grateful for the questions you asked and the wisdom that you shared with the listeners. And, But I also want to just thank you for being part of the Journey Home community. You've been there since day one. You're a founding member of TJH and you bring just yeah, so much value. Proud. Oh, it's just glorious. You bring so I much value, it. so much love. <laughs> and um, whenever I see your name pop up or your picture pop up or your stories pop up, my heart goes, ah, it's Alice. And oh. so I just thank you for that beautiful role that you play in my life and this has been a beautiful. Oh, thank you, Haley. Yeah, it's <laughs> been my honour. So thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you everyone for tuning in and I will talk to you very soon and hey, hopefully you'll talk to Alice very soon as well by connecting with her on the socials. I'll chat to you soon. Thank you so much for joining me today. It is such an honor to bring my heart directly to your ears The TJH podcast is in her early days, so if you could take a quick moment to leave a rating on Spotify or write a review on Apple Podcasts, I would be extremely grateful. And if you enjoyed the episode, I encourage you to share it with a friend to help spread the Journey Home message far and wide across the globe. I deeply appreciate you, and I will chat to you again very soon.